Hello and welcome to Follow the Leader Radio, featuring Sunday Sermon Review. Hello, I'm Robert Pearson, your host for Sunday Sermon Review, the weekly show where I review a sermon. Before we get into it, all show notes as well as the full audio recording will be available on my website, lead to live forward slash follow the leader, lead the number two dot L-I-V-E forward slash follow the leader. You can find a complete talking outline as well as all scripture references will be hyperlinked through to blueletterbible.org and when I do read scripture here it will be from the English Standard Version. Also this is a positive exercise for learning and this is how I have fun and enjoy sermons and what I'm doing in my head the entire time I'm listening to sermons. So here we go. Uh, First I'm going to summarize the message kind of give a flyover of some of the main points and uh, some of the verses that were used and how they built to deliver the message. And then I just kind of give my thoughts, things that popped into my head, other verses I think could have helped or might have been a little better. And so with that, let's get into it. This week is a sermon by Alistair Begg, and it's uh, called, he calls it Warning Against Laziness. And you can find this at... Uh, the, on the Truth For Life podcast in two parts. It'll be also, you'll have to search for it on truthforlife.org. All of Alistair Bag stuff is free and awesome. And yes, I could listen to his buttery smooth Scottish brogue all day long. So, warning against laziness. And he's, this is actually an address delivered to a body of college students. The passage he uses primarily through this is... Proverbs 26, 13 to 16, and Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. Now, I'm not going to read those because they're both a little long, but it's the passages about the sluggard. And uh, so he, uh, instead of, he reads them completely and then prays and then gets into it and just kind of does a a play-by-play. And so the, the outline he uses for the, the sermon's kind of broken into two halves with, uh, with a conclusion on the end, where the first half is looking at the sluggard himself and his lifestyle, and then looking at the, the sluggard's vineyard in the second half, and then some, some closing remarks at the end with just an amazing poem to finish it off. So the outline for the sluggard, um, he pulls five points out of the text, where it's um, the sluggard is hinged to his bed, happy in his excuses, hopeless in completing things, hungry for fulfillment, and haughty in his self-assessments. So the first point is hinged to his bed, and he paints the picture of a sluggard who refuses to get out of bed, doing a lot of tossing and turning, and there's a lot of movement, but no progress, no actually getting out of the bed. And um, he spends some time there talking about, you know, never wanting to really get up, and then... Uh, he goes on to happy in his excuses. You have the uh, one of the verses, the sluggard says, oh, there's a lion in the street. And uh, talking about how a lot of times people will give some of the craziest excuses to get out of things when they're just really, in honesty, being lazy. You know, there's not a lion in the street. You just want to get out of work. And then the, the next point, hopeless in completing things. The, there's a verse that says he reaches his hand into the bowl and is too lazy to draw it back to him. And uh, the idea that, you know, how just how, how lazy would someone have to be 
and he, he takes this to just other tasks, not even just something as extreme as eating, but any sort of necessary task or just an unwillingness to complete things. You know, oh, I, I got it started. I put the cereal in the bowl and I poured milk on it. But then I, I just, I can't bring it to my face. I can't even finish. This is too much work. And then hungry for fulfillment, how one of the verses talks about um, always, you know, craving things but not working for them and, you know, looking for a harvest that wasn't planted. And he talks about, you know, somebody who works like this, someone who is um, slothful, somebody who is uh, a sluggard, they, they don't stop wanting things. They don't stop wanting to be fulfilled. They don't stop wanting to, you know, eat food or to do things in life. But because they're making excuses, because they don't get out of bed, because they don't complete what they started, they're now are unfulfilled. And then it becomes difficult to also correct somebody like this because the next point, um, they're haughty, can be prideful. A sluggard, in, in Proverbs it says that he, you know, a sluggard says that he uh, is wiser than seven men who give a good answer. So the idea that he's he knows it all, I know what I'm doing. And it's, it's hard to correct somebody who's in such kind of a, a bad way. And so this is where we now look at the vineyard or the garden or the, the essentially the backyard of someone like this. What does their house look like? What does their life look like? And uh, just a brief flyover is where, you know, it's unkept, it's broken down. The, the, the way the Bible describes it, the walls are broken down as well as all of the weeds are overgrown there, the yard. Then the, the lessons brought from here is not only is the, the place in ruin, but it it's important to understand this was never intended. This wasn't like, oh, I got up this morning. I think I want my yard to be a wreck. I think I don't want to work. You know, they thought, oh, I don't want to work. They didn't intentionally make these results happen. These are what happens when you're unwilling to put in the work. And it's in this way that ruin sneaks up on you. The, the Bible verse says, a little, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and ruin comes upon you like a bandit. And just the idea that it will feel sudden when everything is wrecked, but it, it really happened gradually a little bit over time and you didn't mean for it to happen, but it happens nonetheless. And so he, he starts to talk about this wasn't, you know, this wasn't an evil person. It wasn't somebody who is lazy. It was a normal person who had good intentions, but they made little concessions and little decisions. And those snowballed over time out of control, and it created the ruin in the person's life. And so the sort of call to action in the closing remarks is he refers to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, now is the appointed time, and Ephesians 5, 16, you know, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And he ends with a poem that is gripping and, and really uh, gut-wrenching and convicting. And it's called Tomorrow by Edgar Albert Guest. Um, that's one thing I found amazing about listening to Alistair Begg is he is constantly citing his sources. If he mentions a story or a, a thing that isn't obviously just kind of a, a sourceless joke, he always has a name attached to it or who delivered it first if it is just kind of an old pastor's tale. It's, it's pretty awesome. So I'm going to read it. This poem is amazing. The poem Tomorrow. He was going to be all that a mortal should be, 
tomorrow. No one should be kinder or braver than he tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and weary he knew, who'd be glad of a lift and who needed it too. On him he could call and see what he could do tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters he'd write tomorrow and thought of the folks he would fill with delight tomorrow. It was too bad indeed. He was busy today and hadn't a minute to stop on his way. More time he would have to give others, he'd say. Tomorrow, the greatest of workers this man would have been tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. The fact is he died and faded from view, and all that he left here when living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Wow, that was that's that's how he ended the sermon and drew it to a close and prayer prayed. And Alistair Begg is just has some phenomenal prayers where they're never too long and verbose, but they are incredibly just like beautiful and long and using like big words and stuff. It's it's awesome. I love how articulately I was able to uh, express that. It's a good contrast there. Anyway. So, on to the review portion, which starts with just, wow. Um, it was an awesome message that I personally found pretty convicting. Because, um, I don't know, I just, I never feel like I'm doing enough. Um, but also trying to find the balance of not not stressing myself. So, this was a good push in one direction of, uh, of go, and, go and get at it. And there was a neat thing. Uh, one of the cool things that I felt I learned uh, peripherally is he, he makes a comment, uh, he has a line in the sermon, he says, a sermon must be preached first to the one speaking to have, to, for the sermon to be delivered with conviction. And I thought that was neat, because uh, in the context he was talking about, you know, I'm not accusing you of being lazy, I'm going to accuse, stand up here and accuse myself of being lazy, and you just happen to be there listening. So anything that you feel or conviction, that's, that's on you entirely. Uh, because I'm preaching this sermon to myself. And the idea that every sermon you would preach would be directed to a problem that you have and preaching to yourself, and only in that way can you then preach with authority and conviction on, a, on an area. I thought that was, that was pretty neat. Um, I did notice a listening to this. I've listened to a few of Mr. Begg's sermons before, and I've, I've noticed he always tends to use a primary passage and then he just expounds and brings in stories and poems and uh, draws emotions out of the passage. And he doesn't spend a lot of time connecting this passage to other passages in the Bible. He kind of sits in the one passage and he expounds upon it, and it's it, which is awesome. But it's just um, it's, I've noticed that's the way he does stuff because this the Bible talks a lot about working and and stuff that we should do and i don't know the way my brain works is anytime i look at a bible verse i immediately want to connect it to all the other verses in the bible that say the same thing and it's it's almost always an exhaustive list on any topic so but there was one point particularly that i found an awesome verse that i feel like would have been a good uh segue or or call to action towards the towards the end of the sermon because um he was also preaching at a at a uh, Christian college, and so it would have been a good, good way to contextualize it. Uh, 
towards uh, salvation. Um, he starts to talk about how distractions can create laziness, where someone might not be lazy, but if they get a little distracted and a little distracted and a little distracted, they they sort of lose their their house, that the ruining ruin coming upon them. You know, it, it, they lose it inch by inch and moment by moment. He gives an analogy of you know somebody trying to climb up a mountain and having too much stuff in their backpack, and those things you hold on to won't let you get all the way to the top and uh, go to where you want to go. So you wind up just settling. And I was immediately reminded of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, reading this out of the ESV. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I thought that was a neat point of connection to, to use scripture then to also kind of deliver your call to action for you. But once again, like that, the Tomorrow poem was solid gold, and uh, I'm going to have to put that as my lock screen or desktop or something, because, man, that was good. Um, also, at one point he referenced the poem, The Roads Are Dreary, Dark and Deep, and I Have Miles to Go Before I Sleep, and it's uh, I think it's a Robert Frost poem. And just immediately, all I could think of was the from The Hobbit. The, the road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now see how far ahead it's gone. And I must follow if I can, pursuing it with eager feet, until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet. And whither then, I cannot say. And I, I don't know, it's, it's not really directly related, but it's such a good poem, and I was immediately reminded of it. I, I love how Alistair Begg, is always working in classic poems and do his sermons and stuff. I thought it was really cool. So that's all I have for today. Um, once again, the show notes are going to be on my website at lead to live lead the number two dot l i v e forward slash follow the leader. If you want to see an outline of this and all of the Bible verses, will be hyperlinked through to blueletterbible.org. They're awesome. Go check them out for all your online Bible stuff because. They're, they're the best, flat out. So, um, feeling topical today. What's your best productivity trick? Call in and let me know. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, call in at anchor.fm forward slash follow the leader. And uh, call in and leave me, I don't know, what is your, your best little tip or trick? It doesn't have to be life-changing. Just little stuff is good. Uh, and I've got one for you. From uh, Grant Cardone in his book 10X, it's one of his uh, tenets or whatever, is, you know, once you decide, act immediately. And uh, the concept being that time adds fear and it, it kills your action. The longer you wait to act after making a decision, the longer you have to second guess and you start thinking about what ifs and you, you suddenly you find you just don't act on the decision you made. And so instead... As soon as you've decided something, at that moment, make it happen. Make it work towards it. All right, that's all I have for you. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Robert Pearson. Godspeed.